People of the world, hello and welcome to the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday, wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. Great to have you with us again for this edition of Brothers Talk. The numbers keep growing and you keep us inspired to keep up the good fight to make sure that there's a voice being given to black men for issues that we care about and in particular from our point of view. Remember, you can join the conversation online in our three Facebook groups, The Brothers Talk, hashtag Black Dollars Matter, and Relaunching Black Wall Street Nationwide, where we keep the focus on black economic empowerment. If you haven't joined, you're really missing out on some outstanding stories and information about our people getting it done with new businesses and products and services, one of which we'll be featuring in our ongoing segment, The Positive Black Business Experience of the Week. This week, we have another guest, which we'll introduce just shortly. But before that, once again, here are Scott and Norm. Hi, family. As usual, I hope you're being safe and cautious out there. This uh, virus is really, really out of control, but uh, we have an election coming up. So remember, by all means, go out there and vote and also support black businesses. And again, stay black out there. And remember, black on black love. That's all we got. Peace. This week, we are happy to welcome Sister Deidre L. Windsor, a retired Army military officer and former U.S. Department of Justice executive. She's the founder of the Windsor Group, an LLC, a professional services company based in Chevy Chase, Maryland. In 2016, Deidre made the brave decision to leave her stable job as a senior federal official to pursue entrepreneurship full time. Her company, Windsor Group, provides a host of professional services and business solutions to public and private sectors, including staffing, training, IT support and program and project management. Windsor Group has enjoyed a 1,000% growth rate since its founding. Deidre graduated from Methodist University in 1994 with a Bachelor of Science in Political Science from Webster University in 2011 with a Master's Degree in Human Resource Management. In 2015, Ms. Windsor authored her first book, Leadership Begins with Hello, Practical Principles of Leadership. She currently resides in Chevy Chase with her family. So welcome, Deidre, and please introduce yourself to the Brothers Talk audience. Hi there. I'm Deirdre Windsor. I'm very excited to be here today. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for the invite. I look forward to the conversation this um, this evening. Um, as Rod mentioned, I am a retired military officer. I spent some time as an enlisted person and a, an officer. Um, I've enjoyed my time in the military, spent some time in the 82nd Airborne Division as a paratrooper. Uh, one one of my fondest memories of the military, although I'm very happy I don't do that anymore. Um, and just very happy to be out here uh, contributing, giving back to society uh, in a meaningful way. Just looking forward to the conversation. So thanks, Rod. 
Well, great. We're glad to have you. And so in the run-up to tonight's conversation, we talked a little bit about business startup. And as you heard us talk about the fact that our Facebook groups really do emphasize Black economic empowerment, particularly starting up Black businesses in our community, because we believe that's where our real future lies. So why don't we start there? And what would you tell a young Black person or any Black person who's interested in getting started in business? What would be some sage advice that you would have for them in terms of knowing how to get the process going? Um, oh, the big thing I was saying, it probably will sound a bit cliche, but it's very real. The, the, the biggest thing is you just got to do it. You know, uh, what I've found in, in this is just in business and after having worked in the government, you know, people trying to get to the senior ranks, uh, sometimes people, uh, get caught up in their own head. They get in their own way. Um, and, and they stop themselves from moving forward. I, I think a lot of times it's just, if you're trying to do that thing, you have to do that thing. For me, I was working in the, the government and I had for many, many years wanted to start my own business. When I retired from the military though, I was not mentally ready for that. Like I needed to go through that transition that you go through when you leave the military. You know, I had spent 22 years of my life in the military. So it wasn't like a flash in the bag. It was living that structured lifestyle. So even though I wanted to start the business back then, uh, I just was not ready. But it's funny. I just had to get to that point. I had to get to that place where it's now or never. And, and I just ventured out there. Um, there's, there's a lot of basic stuff, um, that you can do to get started, like going down to your local secretary of state. I, I hear often people say, well, I'm going to start my business when I get my website up, or I'm going to start my business once I get a lawyer. Like I didn't do any of those things. When I decided to start my business, I, I, I actually in 2014, I started in 2014. I did not quit my job at the time, but I went down to the secretary of state on January 2nd. 2014, because I was determined. I said, you know, I'm not going to let this go any further. Went down there, got the LLC. And again, this goes back to, you know, I often hear people say, I got to get an attorney and I have to do this and I have to do that. And the reality is most of the things that you need to do to start a business are free. Uh, There are lots of companies that capitalize on the fact that most people don't know that. You know, we talk about the government. Most people don't know what that means when you say the government, but that's what the government does for you. Uh, they do a lot of these things for free. It's like I heard someone say one day, I, I need an EIN. I'm in the, you know, there it's co- it only costs $200. To get an EIN is free. You just say, I, you go to irs.gov and it right in the upper hand, right hand corner, it says get an EIN. So most of these things are free, but people capitalize on the fact that most folks don't understand that these things are free. So I, I really can't emphasize that enough that. You just got to go and do it, whatever that thing is. You just got to step out there. And and I would say you, you don't know how you're going to do or how you would have done if you don't try. And, um, you know, like I said, it seems small, but to me, that's the biggest thing I've encountered with people is people just not uh, taking that extra step. Recently, a gentleman who uh, works as a consultant for my business, he started his own business. And, and this is just an example of what I'm talking about. Um, he's a certified veteran owned company and he's talked a lot about getting the certification. And one day I just said, give me your Dunn's number. You know, this is a number that you get in business. And I just went to the site, the VIP site, the veteran site, suck his Dunn's in there, did a couple of screens and I sent it to him. I said, now you can go from here. I think just so often because these things sound so daunting to people, something is 
big as getting a certification or small as getting an, an, an IRS EIN. People just assume these things are harder than they actually are. So Deidre is a black female starting your own business. What were the biggest challenges for you uh, doing business in uh, state, local, federal government? Or, or, and are there any differences in dealing with state, local, and federal uh, go- uh, government? So, uh, Chester, we deal primarily in the federal space. I'll tell you when I first started out, when you first start a business, you're all over the place. And I, I'm no different. <laughs> you know, I was trying to do a little, I was trying to be all uh, many places and realizing that. You know, you need to try to focus on one place. So I focus in the area of the federal government. The biggest problem for me, to be honest, was funding. And, and when I say funding, um, and again, you know, people think, oh, you need money to start a business. You really don't. You know what you need money for? You need money for employees. If you get if if you get uh, if you get contracts, you need money to fund those contracts. I mean, you can go and start a business, get an EIN and start going out there, uh, briefing your capabilities to people, telling people the things that you do, you know, hit your network up. But I didn't really need money until I won a contract that required me to put a person on the contract. Because so when people say, well, I need funding for me, what that meant is I need to be able to make payroll. So you know, I've I got a, a contract. One of my first major contracts was with a, um, it's a large multi-billion dollar business. And they said, hey, do you do IT work? And I said, yes, we do IT work. Okay, so we need a software uh, configuration manager. Can, you know, let us know when you get the person. I get the person, bring them on. And uh, and, and I'm not even thinking about these things. It's a lot of that stuff you learn as you go. And I realized, yeah. oh, this person has to get paid. And and it's not just and you know you have people out there they're like oh just pay everybody on a on a ten ninety nine like they're an independent contractor you don't have to pay taxes and stuff like that but what if you get an employee that says no I want benefits and I want to be a yeah. regular employee uh, because yeah. it's not as easy as it seems to be a ten ninety nine contractor not everybody has the mindset of of someone who is operating autonomously on their own and so I got my first employee was a person. It was a, you know, and this is probably irrelevant, but to me, it was relevant that it was a, a single a single parent. Um, she needed full benefits. And so immediately, you know, when I, I quit my job in 2016, 2017 was, you know, the first year in earnest that I, I was working the business full time. Um, and so it was six months in, we get this employee and I'm like, I didn't have anything set up. I didn't have funding to pay her. Um, I did not have any type of benefits. I didn't have any relationship with any type of HR function that could take care of that for me. So a lot of things I learned was from having that one employee. Four years wow. later, we're at 30 employees. And so wow. it's we're it's old hat to us now, but I outsource a lot of stuff now. So we we can operate like a much larger company, but it took us a minute to get to this point because it's a it's a you know, you have to learn these things. You know, I try to tell other small businesses that are coming up now, these are things that I share with them. You know, there were things that people shared with me. It's like the funding. I didn't have the money. So you go to the bank, you're like, hey, can I get a loan? And even though you have this contract. Uh, and you think I got this contract and they'll see that I can pay them back. And that doesn't always work. And so I went to the bank. I couldn't get a loan. So when I started out, I was just borrowing money from my friends. I mean, I, I chuckle sometimes because my first employee, uh, I, I, I forever will call her employee number one. 
She always says, uh, because I take my employees that are local, I'll go out to Warrington, wherever they are, and we'll go to lunch, right? But but it's funny because she always says, right from the beginning, I love Windsor Group. This is such a great organization. And and I would, I, I tell her now, I wouldn't tell her then, but I'm like, I have the screenshots of when my account was overdrawn by her paycheck the first <laughs> time she got paid by $5,000. Like the whole check overdrew my account. But luckily, <laughs> because my bank, the way, you know, I was basically... <laughs> I was floating money and, I, and they that wasn't my intent. Um, it was a mix up because I got this HR company. Like, so some things happened that uh, made that happen, but it was all transparent to her. To her, she's like, this is a great company, great benefits. I get paid on time. You know, she doesn't know that Esther in the bank is watching me cry in the line. And she's like, Esther's like, Miss Windsor is going to be okay. So, so people don't see, they don't see the things that are happening in the background, all they know is, hey, I can feed my family today. Thank you. And that's all that matters to me. How did you find a niche in your industry to decide to, to take this opportunity? I don't, I don't know there was a niche. I'll, I'll tell you what happened to me. It's, it was a learning. It was a learning thing. When I first started my company, um, so you all know we discussed a little bit about my book, right? So when I started my company, I was like, I'm going to do leadership training and development. But I realized really quickly that you really needed to be established. Like, I, and, and, and so you really need to be established out there to kind of get a foothold in that space. And then I had to make the decision. I said, am I trying to be a sole proprietor? Like I'm out doing leadership training or am I going to build a business enterprise? And I made the determination. I said, you know what? I'm going to build the business enterprise. And then later on, when I get to the place where we're successful, I can still go back to that leadership space if I want to. Um, but let me, get this company built up first and get some capital and revenue going um, so that I'm in a better position to do that. I just didn't feel like I was really positioned to be in the area that I was in. But what I saw is that something else opened up. Like I said, my first major contract was an IT contract with, uh, it was with General Dynamics IT. And, and, you know, they came to me, Hey, can you provide IT support? And, uh, you know, we provided that support immediately. They came right back. Hey, give us another person like this person because they love the first person so much. So then I realized, I was like, you know, what we do well is staffing. Most federal government contracting companies don't like to call themselves staffing companies. So I never say we're a staffing company. We're a professional services company. But in the, in the end, a lot of us, that's what we do. We're staffing contracts. And so the key is, you know, finding the best resource for an opportunity. And because my true experience is in leadership. One thing I know how to do is hire. And that's what we're doing for these contracts is we're hiring good people. We're hiring the right source, the right resource for the positions to get the mission accomplished. So I now own that. I don't shy away from it any, anymore about the staffing thing um, because it's not staffing in the sense of a recruiting company where a recruiting company will you know, get a person for you and you pay them for six months. This is, these people are staffed under Windsor Group. So I'll get a contract with a, a, a larger company, um, with, with the government and they'll just say, Hey, we need X amount of people on this project. So those people work for my company. Um, they answer to the leadership of my company. And so it, it was by happenstance. It wasn't like I, I came out the gate with this is what I'm going to do. It just ended up working out. It ended up being a thing that that we are good at. When my business began, uh, we focused primarily on career management and career transition. But obviously, in the 
ensuing years as diversity, equity, and inclusion became more prevalent, and particularly as the Black Lives Matter movement has gone to the front of people's consciousness. I've certainly seen uh, a positive uptick in business on that side of the ledger. How have you seen Black Lives Matter movement impact your business dynamics? I don't know that it has impacted and I don't know if that's because I'm on the federal government side. I do hear people on the commercial side saying, hey, this is a good time to test the commercial waters because they are more, uh, it's less good old boy and more, let's give companies a hard look and figure out how to diversify our portfolio of small businesses that can support our efforts. And so because I'm not on, I'm squarely in government. You know, I, I, I guess, you know, the only the only non-government client I have is General Dynamics, but we are sub to them on a government contract. And do you see any movement inside the government in terms of uh, affirmative action or diversity, equity, inclusion there? Is that uh, part of the mix that you're able to monitor? You're talking about with regard to small businesses? Yes. I don't know, but I, I'll tell you something that's interesting that I still find interesting today. So we are a certified 8A company, which means we're a small disadvantaged business and, and we can get um, sold in direct awards, right? Uh, but it's funny because I still find contracting officers who will actually make the statement that they don't really like dealing with the 8A. And I don't know if that's, you know, you have to unpack that. You can't just say, Oh, this is because they're this or that. Sometimes it's because some small businesses have come into the government then and said they could do something they they couldn't actually do. And so some of these contracting officers have been bitten by that. You know, one one bad apple or one bad poorly executed contract can make it bad for all of us as small businesses. Uh one yeah. one thing one thing I will say though about me personally, I always tell people, uh, it's like folks who work in the government. I say don't hold your organization hostage to promote you. If you can't get what you need where you are, go go somewhere else. I operate the same way in business. The reality is there are going to be some people I'm going to go in and present to and they might not like me. They might not like what Windsor Group brings. They might not like my hair color, you know. Um, but I, I recognize that the federal government is a huge entity, okay? And there are lots of people who are looking for what Windsor Group LLC brings, what Deirdre Windsor brings in, in, in our whole team. And so I'm I'm of the belief that, hey, if I can't get it over this one place, then I'm going to go somewhere else because there's plenty out there. You just got to be willing to 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 do that extra to, you know, to to get those opportunities, to give yourself a chance at those opportunities. Deirdre, so. Mm-hmm. What do you think your um, military experience, being an officer in the military, how has that um, helped you as being uh, a leader in your company and, and, and developing and defining your company? One thing I will say is I, I think that um, I, I tell a lot of military officers this because sometimes military people struggle when they come out of the military. Um, and, and, and you, you hear this conversation. I'm not sure how much you all are like familiar with some of the conversations that go on in the military around diversity and inclusion. There's always the conversation about, um, more black officers being in combat arms. That's a big conversation because that's why you don't see so many black officers at the top because most people at the top went through combat arms to get there. And they just recently opened that up to women, but it's always been opened up to men, black and white. So a lot of, 
black officers along the way, you know, I've seen over the years, you know, many people say, hey, I don't want to go combat arms because, um, and I'm going to make a point about how I get to the leadership, but they didn't want to go to combat arms because they're looking at stuff like logistics that'll help them when they get out of the military. Uh, I've always felt like that was a misnomer because the reality is I think the only thing that military people, especially military officers, I'm not going to say the only because there are some professionals that are skilled that, you know, they have a, a certain profession, but most stuff in the military does not translate to the civilian sector. The thing that we get from the military is our leadership. And so to me, the people who say, you know, I want to do logistics so it can help me later, it's less likely that, that that's going to help you. What helped me is because I was, I was an air defense officer. Um, I was a, um, I was an air defense officer, um, which means I had an opportunity to be in different leadership positions, but that's the thing that helped me hone my leadership skills. But, but what I found is that's the thing that helped me be successful on the outside in the government and in my business is because the leadership that I gained, the leadership experience I gained from being a sergeant in the 82nd Airborne Division all the way to being a major in the United States uh, Special Operations Command. So those things, so, so to me, I, I, you know, I don't believe there's one thing that I did in the military that's transferable other than my leadership experience. And so I think the more people that understand that, you will probably see more officers in the military go to combat arms because as they, you know, that's the thing I want somebody to do a study on so that they can see that. Like you can go to all these different things that you think will transition, not even accounting the way they do accounting in the army right. versus even in the federal, you know, in the federal government, you know? So, so it's, it's very, um, it's a very, it's very interesting, but I do believe it's leadership. That's, that's the thing that we bring to the fight. And for us, for me as a black woman, and I would say this probably more so for black women, black people, period, or minority officers, period, that we are forced to learn how to truly lead. See, a lot of people, they say, oh, the military has great leaders. The military has fine, okay leaders, okay? But people in the military do what you tell them to do because you told them to do it, okay? But because as a minority, because I've never been able to walk in the room and command respect based on my rank, I've always had to build up the trust and get build up that mutual respect. So I really did have to lead where some people had the benefit of here's my colonel, you know, um, rank or here's my major rank. Um, and do it because I said so. Sometimes these guys struggle on the outside. A lot of a lot of military people struggle on the outside because that's not how the civilian sector works. Because a civilian will be like, oh, "How you spell colonel with a C or a K?" They don't care what you were in the military. But those guys, because they were never forced to truly lead. Now, some of them are great leaders, but I'm just saying, by and large, there are a lot of people who lead just based on that position they're in without having to truly delve into the, 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 the those basics of leadership. So being a paratrooper didn't help you? Well, yeah, it just scared me. <laughs> okay. Well, you mentioned your book. How was that received? It was it was received well, but but I'll be honest about my book. Like I that that's like a uh, my passion project. Uh, but when I wrote Leadership Begins with Hello, I was still in the government, and you know there are a lot of restrictions in the government. So I was a GS fifteen at the Department of Education, and um, I transitioned. I got a senior executive position at the Department of Justice. So in between jobs, I launched that book um, because it's very like especially senior executives in the in the government 
are very uh, restricted to the different things that they can do. So I did a soft launch and I've sold the book on, on, um, on Amazon. You know, I've even had people, <laughs> a lady walked up to me one day. She's like, I'm going to be speaking to the, uh, women of the, um, when the best, the Bobcat, Bobcats, I think the, the Charlotte Hornets or something down in North Carolina. She said, I'm going to be speaking to them. Can I buy 50 books? So people still call and say, Hey, can I buy? A, 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 some of your books so that I can talk about leadership because it's an easy topic. I mean, it really is because it really does talk to the basics. Um, and, and I'm very clear in the book about it being not from a standpoint of academia, but from a practical standpoint. Uh, it really is basic stuff that anybody can, and, you know, that can sit down and say, you know, that that makes sense. You know, I mean, this makes complete sense. Um, build those relationships. And it's from the basics of, like I said earlier, during our earlier conversation before we got on on air, you know, hello, please. And thank you. They still reign supreme. Uh, but we don't talk about that enough. We shouldn't have to talk about it. But this is the problem that a lot of leaders have, the basic stuff. There are a lot of leaders who don't even, who are afraid to talk to their employees. It's very awkward for them. You know, everybody wants to be in these positions, but that work, you got to still put that work in. And the work is, you know, you got 10 people, you need to figure out these 10 people. You need to understand who they are, what they bring to the fight, uh, the what they're good at, what they're not good at. And you need to figure out how you can maximize their potential. Um, but again, it's work. It's that, it's that work up front when they walk in the door. Uh, but a lot of times because people are just so inundated, you know, folks are moving around jobs and it's hard to keep, you know, people, the, the attrition rate in some of these government agencies is, is so high. It's hard to get where you just got leaders who have time to lead, you know, because they're doing a job and they're trying to lead. And I, I firmly believe that if, believe that if you're a supervisor, you have two jobs. You have your regular job. And then you got to lead your people, which is also a full-time job. And most people who take these leadership positions, they don't really know that. It's not like people just tell you that, like, hey, you're going to have two jobs now and you need to be doing both very well. All right. Well, Sister right. Deidre Windsor, we want to thank you so much, first of all, for your service. And thank you again for coming and sharing your perspective. As you can probably guess, you are our positive Black business experience of the week. So we want all of our listeners out there to look up Windsor Group LLC, as well as look up the book, Leadership Begins with Hello, A Practical Principles of Leadership. So we thank you so much for coming into the mix with us. And of course, we invite all of you out there to continue to spread the word. Remember, you can follow us at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Facebook and Instagram group of the same name. And if you want to go long form with us, remember, you can always reach us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Again, we cannot thank you enough for being with us and allowing us to share your time. We want to again thank our guest, Mr. Deidre Windsor. And until next time, remember, let's do better today because that's all we really have.